Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. I'm going to start off today with a joke, Charlie. Lay down. James, you're a guest. Why did the businessman cross the road? <laughs> to get to the other know, side. <laughs> to get to the other side of the profit margin. <laughs> should be a dad, bro. Maybe a dad. You need a kid. I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying. All right. James, second joke. Why did the business owner sign up to the business and investing newsletter? Because he wanted to make more money. That's exactly right. So if you're listening to this and you are a business owner that's sitting there saying, I want to invest inside and outside my business, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your details and you won't be a joke. I am a joke. You won't be a joke. And you like to get notified every single time we release one of these episodes. Now, before I ruin this intro, let's cue the disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, I feel like we should do a double disclaimer on this episode. Would you like to know why? Because that was a terrible, <laughs> terrible joke. Well, first off, actually, we need a triple. So, disclaimer, we're sorry for that intro. We are actually sorry for that intro. That's my first disclaimer. It's not even a disclaimer. That's just an apology to the audience. Now, the second one is our disclaimer covers financial advice. So, we make it very clear that we are not qualified to give financial advice and people should definitely not listen to this podcast to make individualized investment decisions. But to go even further than that, we are less qualified to give health advice. Way less qualified. <laughs> so to be clear, you and I host a podcast where we're not allowed to give advice on the topic it covers, yep. number one, and then we bring on guests on other topics we're also not qualified or allowed to give advice on. Yes. That's what that we is. do. That was literally the hypothesis of this podcast before we started it. <laughs> what, what could a go wrong? Show. I was going to say, I'm like, this is brilliant. This is a great it's, setup. It's actually going. amazing this show's got any traction at all, James, isn't it? <laughs> I was going to say, you should have another disclaimer. It's like, nobody should ever watch or listen to this show ever. Just period. <laughs> I'm feeling a brand change name again, Grant. <laughs> it's just, this is not advice. Right? And we cover all the topics where people just, you know, I'm supposed to talk about it. Like, you're not allowed, you know, we're not qualified to give advice on this, but, you know, th this is how the game works. And it just seems all ridiculous. But nonetheless, I will point this out is that you and I are not qualified to give health advice. However, our guest today is and is also very adept in helping people with their health. And I think it's going to be a really important episode. To, so to strike this one up, to set the context of today's episode, one of the things I find most fascinating in business is how many stories there are of the business owner who neglected their health and then later in life has to spend all their money to fix their health, right? It's like very, very counterintuitive to health in itself. It's like, of course, like it's ridiculous. But to take it further, and this is what I really want to dig into today, is I think it's easy to piece together the idea that, oh, you just don't want to be unhealthy so you, um, you don't have to fix your health later. But there's a whole other layer to this about like how much opportunity cost did you miss while in business or wealth building because your health was shit? Like you were never performing at the level to make good decisions or do business well. You kind of slogged it out and screwed yourself on multiple layers. 
and I, I'm endlessly fascinated in this. I know you and you and I, Grant, have both neglected our health massively at times and paid the price for that. But I think we should unpack this because with a bigger level of awareness, I think it might be one of the most important investments we make is our health. So today on the show, we have James Kant from JCF, um, who's a good friend and also someone I've seen get immensely powerful results from people in this space. Welcome to the show, James. Thanks for having me on, guys. It is our absolute pleasure. I'm going to kick this one off. Actually, before I do, would you be able to give just a brief overview of what you do? I think some context of what you do would be great here. Yeah. So, we predominantly work with men and business owners who have lost their mojo. Uh, you wake up in the morning. We've all met that person who's in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s who wakes up in the morning. They're tired when they wake up. Wake up. The first thing they need to reach for is a coffee caffeine pill or some form of stimulant, ciggy joint, line of coke, like depending on what investment, what, what area you're in, <laughs> banking, um, you know, so <laughs> you, you've, you've got, Gov- I should have, a, I need to do a disclaimer just, just too, it. don't I? Um, <laughs> it it's like, I'm a moron, you should not listen to anything that I say ever, period. Um, but yeah, so- Hey, this guy listens to the show, he knows I'm how like, it works. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is a show full of disclaimers. Huh? <laughs> um, so, really, like we work with guys and, and, and business owners who they've lost the mojo. They're not as energetic as what they'd like to be, um, getting stress, anxiety, depression, all that sort of stuff. Pretty much everything that I went through a few years ago, that's who we help now. Fantastic. So, first question I want to get into. How does poor physical and mental health actually for affect our performance like today not the later in life stuff but like today yeah um have you ever been hungover of course you haven't charlie um but like have, i have though uh, i'm a normal person yeah yeah great <laughs> great's been hungover before now grant when you were hungover or even when you were drunk did you make better or worse decisions <clears throat> than when you felt amazing a couple of days before getting hungover or drunk <laughs> I would yeah. argue he makes some delicious decisions when he's uh, hungover. <laughs> so, he might actually make better decisions hungover. Well, because my food intake sucks outside of those times. <laughs> Uh, I would suggest that my decision-making skills would be uh, worse. Yeah. And so, okay, let's let's say that you're running a business and now you've got to choose whether or not to hire someone, whether or not to fire someone, you're dealing with clients. Would you rather be sober or hungover when you're doing that? Oh, it's sober. Sober, ten, right? Ten times because you will function way better. So, the, the thing is that when we're not healthy, when we have what I would call systemic inflammation throughout the body, when we have damage throughout our body, when our nervous system isn't functioning well, and I'll touch on that in a, in, in a big deal, you're effectively being hung over. And it's like- I, don't, I haven't drunk for a while, but I used to hit the piss pretty hard when I was younger. Funnily enough, I really stopped drinking when I turned 18. But before then, I was, I was a savage on them. I still got hungovers when I was before 18, which is such a G up. But anyway, um, when I was- Wait, wait, wait. Once again, not health advice. Yeah, not health Continue advice. Continue on. Definitely. <laughs> um, uh, when, when I was hungover, I used to just do dumb shit. I couldn't think properly. Uh, I got brain fog. I just felt like I was kind of in this autopilot daze. And I got nothing done whatsoever. Just energy was super low. Everything just sucked when I was like that. If you have poor health, that is what you are like. I'm sure we've all had those moments in life um, where everything you touch, it's like it just turns to gold. No matter what you do, you just win. Every decision you make is just great. 
that is my life now. It's amazing. Uh, you should come join me. Um, but it's like when you are really clear, when you are really on point, when your mind is just crystal clear and focused, everything gets easy. And I was like, fuck, business is hard enough as it is. Why the hell would you want to make it harder by having your decision-making process imp- impaired? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'm, a, I'm lazy, right? Inherently very, very lazy. And so, I want to make everything as easy as possible all the time. I just want to stack the deck in my favor so that I can win. You know, what are the statistics? It's like nine in 10 businesses fail within the first four years or something like that. And then afterwards, how many more fail? You look at all these guys, it's like it's hard enough as it is. And you look at most of them, the reason why they fail is because they burn out. Businesses have got different stages. We go through the startup phase. We just worried about sales and marketing. Then you go through the, you know, the growth and scaling phase where you start worrying about employees and hiring and all that stuff. And then you start going through acquisitions. And what we see a lot of the time, and I'm sure you guys would have seen plenty of this too, the business owner will work their ass off to get through this first hustle and grind phase, which is just get the fucking sale in, get some money in, like we just got to stay afloat. And then you work up and you're doing a million, couple of million dollars turnover and you start employing people. And you get to the stage of employing people and you're like, I'm just rooted. I've worked my ass off for the last five years to get here. I don't have any more energy to now push on into the next stage. And that's where a lot of people sell, they give up, they quit, or they just don't grow and they stay stagnant and never get any further because they just simply don't have any more gas in the tank. And it could be so much easier if you just actually look after your health. And I'm not saying you've got to fucking eat, you know, three sprigs of asparagus and chicken breast every single day. That's not what I'm talking about. You don't have to be a bodybuilder, but more focusing your health specific to what a business owner needs. Does that make sense? Yes. And you described Grant's diet when he's not hungover. This is my point. So this is why he makes deliciously good decisions on hungover. We get him off the asparagus and chicken breast. But tying back into your analogy there, James, and I really like that. It's very digestible to understand is that those first few years in business are like getting on the piss. That is the experience of it. And then the hangover portion comes and collects at some point. That is what many people are faced with. I know myself. Now, Grant, is this striking any chords for you at all? (laughs) Just a couple. Just a couple. I uh, (laughs) So... Back when I started a company called Focus HQ, like I, you know, my peak physical, like I, I won't lie, four pack was coming out. Definitely not a six pack, not a two pack. Four pack was coming out. Meditation every day, like I was, I was on point. And then I got to about year three, stopped yoga, stopped meditating, stopped eating healthy, and it, it was like that for about a year. And I still remember this conversation vividly. I was talking to one of my co-founders. And I'm like, I, I looked back and I'm like, I have just realized that the last year I didn't make great decisions. I wasn't a good person to be around. And he's like, yeah, you weren't. To the point that I was talking to other people around how I can better approach telling you that you were kind of screwing the business over because your personal life went to crap. <laughs> and so I had gained weight. I wasn't doing all of these things. And it was funny how my decisions became worse. The way that I would show up to the business was worse. I couldn't work as long as hours. I couldn't do all these things, but it was just such a natural decline Could, that over a period of time. That, how did yeah. your personal life, as you were going backwards, how did that result in you making poorer decisions? Like what were some of the poorer decisions that you made and how did you negatively impact the company? 
Yeah, so one of the big ones was not being able to see people that I should have recruited and trying to own everything myself, right? Because I wasn't stopping and thinking and going, well, should I delegate this task? Should I get someone else to do it? What is the second order consequence of if I delay doing this task because I'm trying to do everything myself? But also then I couldn't do this the grind the same way. So I'd like push up into the afternoons or evenings and I'm like, don't crash. Or And then I'm like, I'm crashing. I'd have another cup of coffee. And then I'm like, oh, you know what I'm going to do, James? Genius idea. I'm going to skip the gym today. <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't have time for a meditation. I'm gonna, no, 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 this time. Which means that everything else that sort of reset myself and reclarified everything, I just like stopped doing because the time to put into the business was more important. And then it was just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Can, can I expand on those two? Because they're two really cool ones and super common. That's, Sorry. What, that's what we got you here for. Cool. But, <laughs> tell, me how, tell me how terrible yeah. Do I have to do another disclaimer or, or what? But um, <laughs> Potentially. We'll see how you do. We'll, we'll go. Just interrupt if you need to. But um, so the, the, we'll start with the second one first there, which is where you have low energy. And this is like the most common business owner thing all the time. When you wake up tired in the morning, what do you do? You go reach for a coffee, right? Damn straight. Coffee, cigarette, some people join or cocaine, <clears throat> bankers, wait, right? Wait, there's, there's your disclaimer point. Yeah, there's a right. disclaimer <laughs> point, right? I'm not <laughs> recommending one. you do that, right? Uh, or do if you enjoy it, do. if you like it, whatever. I'm not here to judge you. Um, uh, I got a funny story on that too. Um, uh, but pretty much when, uh, when you wake up in the morning, you reach for a stimulant. It's the very first thing that you do. Now, what most people don't think of, right? They don't think of why am I waking up tired this morning? Like, why has this occurred? Uh, they just say, I am tired, therefore I need to fix it, right? Which is kind of logical. But if you don't know the root cause of it, then you're never going to fix the actual issue. You say, I'm tired, therefore I need more energy, so I'm going to smash a coffee to give me a little bit more adrenaline, a little bit more dopamine, and that's going to get me through. And what that actually does is that caffeine sits from the coffee, sits in your nervous system, right? The nervous system is, is it's like your brain and all the nerves throughout your body. It controls every single thought, feeling, mood, action, reaction. Every decision that you make in your life is regulated by this, specifically one part of it called the autonomic nervous system, right? This is like your fight or flight and rest and digest. You may have heard of those terms before. And so within this nervous system, what you're doing with the caffeine is you're jacking it up, Right. You're getting it going. You're getting a little bit more adrenaline happening. You're shifting yourself into a stressed out state, right? A fight or flight state. See, when our body is stressed out, we're more energetic. So, for example, have you guys ever like not eaten for a prolonged period of time, done a fast for a day or two days or something like that? Definitely. We're both in the fasting camp now. There you go. You feel wired, don't you? Like wired after what you think. I didn't eat. You're like, I didn't eat. I should have less energy, but you get more. So that's an evolutionary thing where when we're starving, you don't want to relax and chill out because you're not going to get any food, right? Let's go back 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 years ago. When you're starving, you need to fucking get up and go because if you don't get up and go, you're not going to go and catch that deer. If that deer walks past and it's the first deer you've seen in a month, right? It's the only bit of food you've seen and you're like, fuck it, too tired, right? You're going to die. So those people who did that, they're gonna. They're dead. They never. They never survived. Whereas the people who were like wired and waiting for that deer went up, slit its throat, and then have gone and eaten it. And that's created us now, right? And that's how how we've come. So whenever you are uh, in this fight or flight stage, you're going to be super energetic and super hyped up. And caffeine is pushing us into this fight or flight stage. Now the one downside of this is that when we're in fight or flight, yes, we have loads of energy, but we also don't sleep well. 
we don't recover well. Why? Because we need to be alert. We're in fight or flight because we need to be alert. Going back once again to our evolutionary roots, if you're starving, you need to be alert. But also if a tiger's going to come and eat you, probably not the best time for a nap, right? So you want to be awake. So it's going to keep you amped up and it's going to keep you wired, which is then going to mean that you're not going to sleep terribly well at night. Now, what happens when we don't sleep well at night? Wake up tired the next day. Right, and so what do we do when we wake up the tide? Wake up tired the next day. Let's have another two coffees. Two, two coffees, coffees yeah. right? And now we're twice as wired, and we're great because it feels fucking awesome to be stimmed off our heads, right? And then so that night we sleep even worse. So the next day, what do we have? Three coffees, right? And it just goes on and on and on and on, right? And we actually see this a lot. We work. We've worked with a lot of truck drivers. This actually coffee's a gateway truck, right? Grant, be careful. Uh, coffee is a great gateway drug. We actually have a lot of truck drivers who come to us who are hooked on meth and speed. And they use meth and speed like um, like sometimes actually just light up the glass barbie uh, and, 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 you know, have a little toke. Uh, sometimes they're on prescription things like you see a lot of guys using modafinil. I used to punch a heap of modafinil back in the day. Um, dexamphetamines, the all the legal prescription drugs, they're on them to keep themselves awake because now coffee has no effect on them whatsoever because they've desensitized it because their nervous system is so fucked up. Does that make sense? Completely. And so, Can I, can I share a story on this one? I'm, I'm interested on your take to go into this further because my experience is opposite to Grant's. So Grant got into business, let's say his uh, business got hard and then he neglected his health. And I neglected my health but in a different way is I started riding a bike because I found it helped me cope with the stress of business. And then that escalated to riding 400 kilometres a week. I'm like ramping up this fitness campaign to deal with the stress of work and just burning myself into a deep, deep hole. Like I, I – um, when I ended up in the cardiologist and he's like, you need a pacemaker, which was actually a symptom of my nervous system being so messed up, is that we had a, I had a, what would they call it? A heart algorithmia anomaly. There was weird things going on and it was a bit of a wake-up moment. But I found the opposite end of that where it was like coping mechanisms. So I can see even as you've unpacked this, it's like kind of the same thing. It's the destruction of the nervous system that's become the pressing thing leading to poor decision-making, which is just fascinating. Is that another one you commonly see with business owners or people in general where it's like they've got their yeah. – <laughs> I did that one massively, man. Everyone does Interesting. it. When you get stressed, right, you, you have to release that stress in some way, shape or form. So look at kids, for example. I love that you brought this up, Charlie. You, you look at kids. When kids get frightened or kids get stressed, what do they do? They run away. Run away. Run away cry, shake. Have you ever seen a kid who's like shaking? They do that? I have one in my household, right? I see all of these. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I hope he's not like, too scared in your answer? household. Yeah. <laughs> you, you are James, scary we, though, we Charlie. We did have an event last <laughs> night where we were concerned a tree was a monster. Things went down. <laughs> We've had that. My dog gets that one too. I, 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 under, I, I can understand that. Um, but yeah, when kids will shake, right? They'll shake, they'll cry, they'll run, but there'll be that energy which gets out. So our nervous system, whenever we get stressed, it's not good for it to hold on to it. You need to get rid of that shit. But what do we do as business owners? Well, you can't show emotion, right? You can't show you, weakness. You grind. You can't show all this stuff. You can't talk about it. You can't do it. So we just bottle it up. And so you'll actually find a way 
to go and get rid of this stuff. I mean, Charlie, we talked about this in when when you've been coaching me, and that you know my thing is uh, you know, business is going well for us. We're setting things up, and and it's requiring less of my attention. I'm more on the research and development side, and training our team and optimizing that sort of thing. And it means that I don't have to hustle and grind like I used to, and it means I get bored. And I come up with all these ideas and we talked about how I've now got to get a hobby to go and displace this energy. And you've got to put this energy that I would otherwise be fucking potentially blowing up my business. I mean, how many business owners have a really good business, get bored and like, oh, I've got a great idea. This is too easy. I'm going to make this way harder and we're just going to do a complete left hook on the business and do something new, right? We get that all the time because you need to channel that energy that way. The same thing goes with stress is when we have stress, you need to channel that energy out and get it out. And that's where you'll cycle 400 kilometers, you know, every every single week. Uh, that's where you'll end up going and doing, you know, a lot of guys do drugs as an escape, a lot of guys sex. A lot of business owners lose half of their wealth. Do you know how they do it? Marriage. Marriage. Well, it's not marriage, actually. It's divorce. But yeah. Divorce. Marriage is good. I'm a big fan <coughs> of marriage, big advocate for it. Divorce, it was a leading indicator. Not so That's much. what I was going for, the leading, leading indicator. Leading indicator. <laughs> Disclaimer, we're not telling you not to get married as well. We're going to put that one there. Um, but divorce- No, wait. Is, we're, we're, I think we're allowed to give marital advice. I don't think oh, we can okay. disclose that one. I don't think oh, there's well, a, a qualification No, I don't do it. That. It's a trap. Um, <laughs> ASIC doesn't govern that, boys. We're on. Just don't let, don't let. So, if my wife listened to this episode, please just put an exclusion. Everyone but Sophie oh. Welsh. I'll give you her email address, phone number, everything, so you can, so she can't see this. Um, but no, like with like divorce is is the biggest one. And why do a lot of business owners get divorced? Because they cheat. You know, they cheat. They break trust. They don't have time. They're off spending and getting rid of this energy in other ways. And so, yes, we need to get rid of that energy and we need to find a way to channel that energy and to actually utilize it appropriately. We're not taught this. Nobody's ever taught this stuff growing up. You have to find out. I mean, I, by the time I was 24, had already burnt out twice, right? By the time I was 24, which is ridiculous. You never taught this. You never shown how to do this. And I think that's why we have so many guys who reach out to, to my team and I for help because there's nothing at all on how to fix this so what we need to do is once again as you said charlie it all comes back to the nervous system when you have this stress building up and you have this business which could be doing really well but there's a lot of pressure on you you need to find a method of getting rid of that because otherwise i can guarantee you'll fuck yourself up in some way shape or form it could be porn it could be drugs it could be food it could be you know uh, infidelity it could be any of these things exercise exercise all, and people also think, oh, exercise, that's a positive one. Well, it's not so positive when you're talking about talking to your cardiologist about getting a pacemaker. Uh, it's all these extremes and we need to monitor it appropriately. Does that make sense? Yeah, I also think there's a massive difference between fitness and health, right? And it's like, in my case, it was actually coping and addiction. It was way too far. Anything can be taken to the extreme in that level, which is the point of it from there. Now, before we get into some of the like uh, strategies and tactics and things like that, I wanted to take a moment at this point just to have you share some of the uh, results you've gotten, James, because I know some of the people you have worked with and it's been like some astronomical improvements in the areas of business and wealth which is counter-logical, right? Don't get me wrong, they look phenomenally better as well. Like their physical appearance and health is better. But it's like these interesting things aside from that of impact that I think are particularly notable. Can you share some of those stories? And I think you know the people I'm talking about, so go nuts. Yeah, I've got I've got a 
bunch of different guys. I mean, obviously, like we worked with the sales sniper boys and and throughout their team, and they are so fun. Like seriously, what a cool bunch of dudes. Um, so Coach Matt, Coach James, Coach Jeremy, um, Jeremy Miner, that is. Um, uh, sorry, Matt, Matt, Matt Boone or Matt Ryder, as you'll know, James Sackle, Jeremy, Jeremy Miner, they're all awesome guys. We coached a large number, very, very large number of their team. Um, and we got some really Can cool Can we results. pause it just right there? Yeah. So what makes this particularly interesting for anyone listening to it is when you've got sales guys, they've got weekly data on how they perform on the phone. Yeah. So they're on the phone every week and they've got you know, how many calls did they have, how many people did they close so when they're working with James and they're tracking their performance, that's what makes this so fascinating in my mind, where for a business owner that's in manufacturing, let's say, you may not necessarily have this type of direct feedback loop. But sorry to interject, it's just, that's the part I find really fascinating here, James. Thank you for making sure I didn't skim over that bit um, because, yeah, like when, you, when we work with these guys, um, close rates go up every single time. Close rates go up, output goes up. Productivity goes up, efficiency goes up, everything gets better. Um, have you ever talked with a sales guy before who just really fucking hates their life? Right? Because they deal with no's yeah, all the time. Yeah. It's like, no, no <laughs> totally. No, no. Oh, man. As someone who assholes. likes to be sold to, who appreciates being sold to, when I get a lackluster sales guy, it's really disappointing for me. Super I disappointing. Must say. You never want to buy. <laughs> Are you the type of guy that tries to guide them through the sale, Charlie? You're like, hey, sure, you don't want to ask me this question next? I go as far as sometimes to go, oh, I might need to talk to my wife about it. And like, and then Just I'm, going, to see? I'm not sure if I have the money as well. I'm like, I'm giving them the cues for the objections. Like, <laughs> I love it. It's fantastic. But you, dude, there's nothing worse than someone who doesn't, like, who's a sales guy who just doesn't, isn't there. You know what I mean? Mm. He's not not onto it, and um, and we notice that with it with a lot of guys, sales guys who are just who are tired, who are burnt out, who are anxious. They're not going to perform well. Um, I mean, think about you once again. It, you, when you're hungover, you don't feel great. If your sales team is hungover, how do you think they're going to be performing? They're going to be blowing you massive amounts. And the sales team—that's a really interesting one too, because that's a double whammy. If you have a poor performing sales team, if your sales guys are anxious, if they're depressed, if they're bipolar, if they have any of these issues which which are impacting them and making their performance poorer, number one, you miss revenue, right? You, you miss out on revenue, which costs you. Number two, your cost of acquisition goes up. So any marketing expenses that you have, any lead flow that you have, that goes up. So you're paying more for every customer. You're getting fewer customers. You're getting less revenue. But on top of that too, guess who's getting more revenue? Guess who's getting more com- more customers? Your competitor, right? I was going to say uh, Nescafe or Starbucks, Nescafe the coffee manufacturers, because we're all hitting that stuff harder. They're making they're making the killing making on all of these banks. Jokes. Them and Xanax, right? Uh, Absolutely crushing it. But like when when you have your team who's performing poorly, like you miss out massively. You just get smashed on all fronts continually. And it's such an easy thing to fix. Can you imagine if every time your sales guy picked up the phone and talked to somebody, you knew that he was going to do a really good job. He was going to be super consistent. And I'm not talking about like he has to be like totally manic and like working 24-7 and just absolutely perfect. But like, can you imagine if your sales guy was a consistent eight and a half out of 10, you know? You know how most sales guys, they'll go through and they'll have peaks. They'll, they'll have like one day or two days where they're a nine out of 10, maybe a 10 out of 10, and they drop down to a four out of 10 and spend a week or two there. And then they have one day of greatness and they're back to being shit again. Right? What if they were just like a constant eight and a half all the time? Unicorn. 
unicorns. Right? That's what we make. We're, we're unicorn manufacturers, Grant. That's what we do. And that's, that's effectively what we did with, with a lot of the sales sniper guys. Totally. And this applies well past sales guys, although I think it's a great study for you because of the immediate feedback loops in data. It's really interesting. But like this could be applied to management. This could be applied to video editors, right, and how creative their work is. Right, it's a systemic output across, I think, all layers of business, not just the business owner, but the team that supports uh, underneath it. Now, James, you've hinted at this before and um, in the idea of waking up and feeling tired as being one of the signs. How can a business owner or anyone listening to this podcast best assess where their health is today? Because this is like an invisible hangover. The awareness to it isn't there. So is there anything else someone should look out for? Is there tests they can get done or blood work or any other general signs you would think present that someone's health isn't where they should be or is the the easiest thing by far is are you a hundred percent happy with where your life is right now right that's the easiest thing are you making the money that you want to make is your business as successful as you want it to be next thing when you look in the mirror are you shredded and jacked? Have you got a Grant four pack? You know, are you looking good like that? Are you feeling good? Is your sex drive good? If you're wanting to throw a leg over, really, in business owners, and you're in a relationship, I'd dare say that's that's quite common. You're looking to throw a leg over four plus times a week. You're pretty good. Uh, if you are in your relationship, like connecting well with your partner. Uh, if you're doing all these things really well, if you're feeling really good, then you're great. Um, but the difficult thing is, is that most people don't tick all of those boxes all, all at once. If you're missing any of those things, so if your business isn't where you want it to be, if you're not making as much money as what you should, if your sex drive isn't great, if the way that you feel and the way that you look in the mirror is not great, if your relationship's not great, I also forgot to mention, if you feel anxious, if you feel stressed, if you feel depressed, if you feel highs and lows, if you if someone comes in, they're like, oh, no, I just lost $100,000 and you react or you get upset or you feel like it throws you off, then you're not in a position where you should be and you can be way better. And being in that position is going to cost you a hell of a lot of money. It's going to cost you your health and it's going to cost you your happiness as long as you're there. That's the easiest one. Going beyond that, like in looking even deeper, to be perfectly frank, I think that's actually the best test. A lot of people like blood tests. Um, and I'm going to say one thing, which is probably the worst marketing ever. I probably should tell everyone, you need to have exactly 27 nanomoles per liter of testosterone. Otherwise, your testosterone is not good enough. And that'd probably be a smarter marketing thing, but I don't think it's the most ethical thing to do. The most important thing is how you feel. If you don't feel like every single day, you are the fucking man. If you have one day where you have a chink in your armor, if you have one day where you're a little bit weak, then you are going to inevitably be leaving money on the table and happiness on the table. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I've got a sub-question to go with that. How do you feel about things like these Apple Watches <gasps> as an assessment? Because I must admit I've become slightly obsessed with the heart rate data and HDR <coughs> data and have found it to be semi-accurate for how I feel. Even if it's not like accurate in general, it seems accurate to itself. Let me rewind. When Charlie says semi-obsessed, every morning at 5 a.m. we might send screenshots of our Apple Watch data to each other. Sleep data, <laughs> resting heart rate. Oh, it's pretty cute. Maybe. That's very cute. <laughs> you guys should get married. We're married right. like that. What, what can we say? Yeah. So, yeah, wh- where's your place on those things? Uh, my, I have an aura ring, by the way. That's yep. my thing. Um, 
there's a couple of issues with it. Actually, sorry, first of all, I will say I like them, right? But there's definitely a couple of issues with them. Number one, they're not accurate. That Apple Watch is like 50, 60% accurate at best. Um, so it's nice having data. It's great. Uh, but also, Charlie, you could all message me in the morning and I could have a stab at your HRV and tell you what it is and it would probably be a similar amount of accuracy, right? Um, so not to say that it's 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 terrible, but it's the risk of it being wrong is is quite high. The next thing after that is that uh, just because your HRV is good or just because you've had three hours of deep sleep doesn't mean that you actually feel good. And so sometimes when we have these biometric devices, and by the way, like there are millions of different data points within the body. HRV, heart rate variability is great. Resting heart rate is great. Deep sleep, REM sleep, light sleep, sleep cycles, they're all brilliant. You know, even if you get into the, some of the head pieces and you start looking at the brain waves that you have going on, they're all brilliant. They're all absolutely fantastic measures. But if you wake up feeling shit in the morning, you still feel shit, Right. Just because your watch or your ring tells you, oh, you should feel good. If you don't feel good, you don't feel good. Does that make sense? So it often yep. confuses how you feel for what it says how you should feel. Cool. It, it was one of these, it was actually interesting. One of the things that I found, found challenging when I was on my, what do you call it, 12 month downward cycle, <laughs> which I got out of after that quite quickly, was just how progressively. So how much it progressed downwards to the point that I actually did not know what a good benchmark was anymore, right? Like it's almost like it reset what I defined as feeling good. And so I'm curious, is there like, I just then jumped on a scale and I'm like, oh, wow, I've gained weight. Oh, wow, I've stopped meditation. And that was kind of the thing. And then someone else calling it out. Is there like, is weight one of the things that is a indicator into this? Even better than weight is how you look right? If you look in the mirror and you don't have some semblance of abs, right? Not good. Sim simple as that. Um, for your professional athletes, I always have a rule. If you don't have veins through your abs, you're fat, right? And if you're, you know, if you're a business, business owner, you want to have some sort of abs, right? The reason being is there's, there's, it's twofold when it comes to health. Um, number one, if you are overweight or if you're holding body fat, uh, then it means that you're going to generally have, you know, potentially have some sort of insulin resistance, particularly if it's around the, the midsection, right? Insulin resistance immediately increases your risk of a whole heap of diseases like heart disease, I'm pretty sure cancers, diabetes, all this sort of stuff, right? So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing after that is, you know how some people, they, they just get watery? Like it just looks a bit soft and really jiggly. Like fat's fat, but there's some people that get like really jiggly and it just doesn't look like healthy at all. When you have that, you have excessive abdominal water retention. And I see this all the time in guys who are chronically stressed. The way that this happens is there's a, there's a hormone called cortisol. We've probably all heard of cortisol before. Cortisol is the hormone, which is the stress hormone, the major stress hormone within the body. And whenever we get an increase in cortisol, we get an increase in water retention. Now, cortisol is bad because chronically elevated cortisol is bad. I'll, I'll rephrase that it's bad because number one, it makes you look like shit. It'll make you look fatter than what you are. Nobody wants that. But number two, it reduces your sex hormones. So in men, it'll reduce your testosterone and your estrogen too. In women, it'll reduce your estrogen. And that's when we start getting a whole heap of negative impacts when it comes to our hormones. We lose our sex drive. We lose our confidence. We lose our charisma. We lose our ability to, to connect and it actually makes us more anxious, right? So, um, Whenever you have elevated levels of cortisol, 
your life's not going to be fun. And a really easy way to tell is just by the amount of water retention and fluidity you appear to have. Does that make sense? I, I get it in my cheeks. It's uh, I actually see it in my face as well. Very, very noticeable yeah. at times when I've had that. Shit I, night's I, sleep, I, bang, comes up, huh? Does it's a, it's fascinating now. James, you're kind of hinting on the idea of like a level of fitness is required and health in general. I would love to know your opinion on this. For the let's say someone is a business owner, is the level they need to be at is what I would call athlete fit? Like, do these guys need to be at the same level of uh, fitness that you would consider someone who is an athlete, or is this something where there's like, if an athlete is a ten out of ten, and there's a scale in this example? Is five out of ten fitness where business owners should aim for? Because maybe they don't have the twenty hours a week to be athlete fit. Totally, oh, this is an awesome question. So, first of all, you don't have to do anything. You can sit back on the couch and suck bongs all day, if, like for all I care. It doesn't matter as long as you're happy. That's the most important thing. That is not at all but- why people listen to this show, James. You should. <laughs> the title of this show is business and investing. People listen because they want to uh, be rich and loaded and be at the absolute fucking peak. Well, that's what we're seeing. Well, then if you want to be rich and loaded at the absolute fucking peak then what we need to be looking is okay how how much do you actually want to peak and and by the way too with this there's this really bad misconception that in order to have elite health you need to put in elite hours you don't it's actually really really easy um i i I don't even lift weights anymore you know i don't train i just do jujitsu because i like strangling people um you know like that's that's it it's very fun i highly recommend you take it up um, but with it, you don't need to train hard. I train five hours a week type thing. It's not that much. Um, and so that's, that's the first thing in terms of where you want to be for like elite performance. If you really, really want to have peak performance, here's where you want to be. Number one, you want to wake up every single morning feeling fucking incredible, right? That's the first most important thing. Wake up and feel fucking great. That means when you get up, you don't look at the alarm or look out the window and think, oh my God, I just want to go back to bed. You feel like you want to be alive, okay? The next thing after that, that we want to make sure that, 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 you're, that you're feeling is confident. If you're second guessing yourself, if you're continually doubting yourself, if you don't have self-belief that you can go and conquer the world, then that's going to be a problem too because that's going to impact your ability to perform because that leads into anxiety. Whenever you have that lack of confidence, that, 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 that self-doubt, you have anxiety, which is present. And anxiety leads to increased cortisol, as I was talking, talking about just before. It means that your sympathetic nervous system is, is activated, so your nervous system is not terribly happy. Your sex hormones will be low. Your testosterone will be poor, be poor if you're a man. Estrogen will be poor if you're a woman. And you won't be able to lead your company and to lead your family in the way that you actually want to. Uh, the next thing, if your relationships aren't good, Right. Most of the time when a relationship's not good, it means that both partners don't have necessarily have a great sex drive. Sex is really important. You should be throwing a leg over really regularly because sex is part of connection. It's part of communication, intimacy, all really, really incredibly important. So if you're not doing any of those things, you're not great. Now, when it comes to the body composition stuff, it's important, not as important. It doesn't matter a whole heap, but I definitely recommend that everybody has some semblance, or all men in particular, has some semblance of, of, of abs. And all women should look in the mirror and feel good. You know, that's how you should feel. You don't need to be a shredded bikini model or, you know, jacked like a bodybuilder. None of that is necessary. It doesn't matter at all. 
but you should look healthy. If you go and you look at the photos of people who lived a couple of hundred years ago and see how they looked, you know, or look at a lot of the indigenous tribes around the world, like the Hadza, um, who, who are currently still going and they're, they're like uh, not really in contact with Western civilization, you see how they look. That's generally how you should look because that's a really healthy, well-functioning body. Um, and another thing too that I, that I haven't touched on is if you have pain throughout your body, you need to fix that. That needs to go, right? You can't have pain because whenever you have pain, you're not going to be able to focus all your attention on work. So if you have pain, if you have discomfort, if you have tension throughout your body, you need to fix that. It's not not a good sign. A healthy body should be a pain-free body. It should be one where you move effortlessly and easily and you feel good all the time. And I guess I keep coming back to that. The most important thing is that you feel really good. I know it's a subjective measurement, not the best one for marketing, but I encourage you guys to learn about it way, way more about how you feel. Do you know what though? I, I- like you have mentioned that, but you've kind of put the layer into it is that we lie to ourselves. Like feel good is if you've been hung over for three years using your analogy right, and you don't know what feeling good is anymore, your awareness to that becomes uh, – Well, your benchmarks change. Yeah, your benchmarks change. What do you mean? I do feel good. I had eight Fun. coffees today and a line of Coke just to get to this podcast, but it's like I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. So as much as I concur from that, I do think it's important for people to have markers around it. And you mentioned so many good ones there, James, so many good ones. So, um, Grant, I'm going to kick it to you, though, because I can see you itching to ask your question. So you jump in for us. All right. James, I have come from the world where my morning routine used to be two hours and then I'd have a meditation in the middle of the day and then I'd go and hit the gym in the afternoon. So all in all, and a day for me to keep healthy – (laughs) <laughs> both from a mental perspective but also a physical perspective, I reckon I was putting in an easy three and a half hours, four hours That's a, a lie. Right? And that was too much <laughs> to I, the point. I, I don't know, it showed. Maybe. I knew you at that point of your life and bad. I would say you were like beaming. So I was. So. I would get a cut and it would be fixed in 24 hours. Like I was Superman. It was happy days. Is there, from everything that you have seen, is there an amount of hours a week, amount of hours a day, or some kind of benchmark that people should be allocating towards their health, mental, physical, however you want to portray well, can it? We, can we add another layer to this? Let's make it really interesting. Totally can. Can we define some like the areas as well? So to give you an example, if someone's going to put 10 hours a week in, they should spend two and a half on mental health, two and a half on physical, two and a half on diet and meal prep, or whatever is appropriate can, in your can, view, James. So can, can, I, all can I throw one more? Yeah, let's make it hard. He's pretty good at what he does. Because I know what James is going to say because you mentioned that it's like five hours of jiu-jitsu. But I'm like, well, you're at a very good level of physical performance and you were almost at peak, which means you're maintaining peak as opposed to building peak. So if you're coming from starting at negative 10 and you're trying to get to zero and then you're trying to get to 10, it's like- Ooh, for the average man. For the average man. You see what I'm putting down, Charlie? So what we'll now, do then is I'll if it's okay I'll, I'll answer this in like several different stages then we'll start like really simple and basic and then we'll get more and more advanced as we go. So simply put, just do ten hours a week of exercise. How many hours do we have in a week? It's like one hundred and sixty-eight, isn't it? Is that, is that right? Something like that. Yep. Whatever. Um, and, I'll let you, I'll you know, let you do that one. We we have uh, uh, we have ten ten hours. Just do some sort of exercise. Right, go out, go for a walk. You know, you don't have to jump on a fucking treadmill or go to the gym. Do what you want, but just move for ten hours a week. Like, 
That's it. Simply put. And in that, incorporate, you know, roughly 30 minutes per day into doing like a Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga or meditation, something where you're totally present and you're actually able to focus on training your mind, right? That's that's really, really important just as a super baseline. Next thing after that, um, in terms of where you started. So, obviously, you know, I was a pro bodybuilder back in the day. So, I was training six hours plus per day. My whole life was bodybuilding. That's everything that I did. So, yeah, it definitely gave me a big advantage. Um, but the majority of the advantage is just physical. It's just the fact that I'm always, you know, 6% body fat. I've got veins through my abs all year round and I don't really have to try very hard to maintain it. So, it's not like that's a, uh, uh, it, it definitely helps me with that. But in terms of the cognitive performance goals for the stuff that really matters, so in terms of me being a better dad to my, to my daughter, Layla, and me being a better husband to my wife, Sophie, and for me being a better business owner, it doesn't really change things terribly much. Um, I take my dog for a walk in the, in the morning, every morning on the beach. I live up at Noosa. It's the world's most amazing spot. Grant, Charlie, you should move here. Uh, Grant, we almost had you. I- um, almost, almost. almost had you. I kid you not. I was looking at property on Coolum Beach last night, but we won't go there. Yeah, you should. You should <laughs> look at that. It's a very good spot. It's going to do really well at Coolum Beach in the sunshine. <laughs> disclaimer. Disclaimer. But you should all move here. Um, but yeah, so, Wait, so we haven't touched on legal advice here, guys. It's still time. Uh, it's right, but anyway, uh, come back. Um, but so where where was I? Uh, and in terms of like how much do you actually need to do and, and what do I do? I do walk my dog for an hour in the morning, right? So, I go and do that. Uh, I meditate and do qigong for probably like 20 minutes a day type thing, maybe half an hour a day. Uh, and then on top of that too, you know, you do jujitsu five hours a week for about an hour or so. Like that's pretty much it. Now, if you need to – if you're someone who's heavily, heavily overweight, um, what I would recommend you do is first of all, go get some individual advice. You know what I mean? Like I can tell you roughly what to do, you know, exercise your 10 hours. That's going to do some good for you definitely because if you're exercising half an hour before and now you're doing 10 hours, well, you're going to be nine and a half hours better per week for it, right? But the most important thing is go out and actually chat with someone all this stuff is really, really specific. Um, in all of our coaching, we still coach one-on-one. You know how in the coaching industry, I'm sure all you guys are familiar with it. Everybody does group coaching because it's more profitable. You come in, you sign up to a course and you jump on a few Zoom calls a week where you know you get to talk with like 30 other people and maybe you get your question answered, maybe you don't, right? That sort of thing. We still do one-on-one individualized everything because that is the only way where you can guarantee optimal results for you guys, right? There's a very specific reason for that. Um, and partly because, you know, I'm not really that mad about money. I don't really give a shit. I've already made plenty uh, and I'm in a very fortunate position to do so, but also because I actually love what we do. Um, and so, with that, it's really important that you go and you talk with somebody that you trust, that you like, that you think knows their stuff and you listen to them and you get a plan for them, right? So, if you're not at optimal health, that's what you need to do. Um, it is the most – in putting in a couple of bucks into your health is the most simple easy and highest ROI thing you can do because you only need to get on a roll for six months, a year or two years and you will stay like that for the rest of your life with very, very little effort, right? Super, super high ROI. And in terms of like as we're getting more and more specific, if you're already an elite athlete and you're already performing at a super high level, you may not need to put in, if you're looking to, and by the way, if the goal is for you to optimize your health for your business, for your ability to make money and for your ability to provide for your family, if that's the goal, if you're already an elite athlete, you may want to start putting more time into training your mind. Actually, anyone should probably do that. 
Training your mind is incredibly important. So when it comes to the nervous system, the nervous system and the mind, they're practically the same thing. The mind, the soul, the whatever you want to call it, right? The sh- your chakras, like it's all part of the nervous system stuff that, w- that, that I talk about. You'll want to train that to a much, much higher degree. Um, for example, you know, Charlie met me back in the day and Grant met me too when I was what you would probably say a little erratic at times uh, and a little excitable where I would do things on a whim and, you know, not necessarily think about the consequences of such, the second order consequences and so on and so forth. And what I had to do by training using meditation, studying philosophy and, and learning and getting mentored, I had to learn how to be able to control my impulses, how to slow down, how to be a better people person, how to manage my team better and essentially how to manage my stress and manage my manage all of my responses to a much, much higher degree. It's probably one of the most crucial areas of health. And I'll tell you why. Because as soon as you start managing your responses to stress, as soon as you start managing your responses to stimuli and changing the way that you think so that you become a higher level person, you'll immediately look better. You'll immediately start losing weight. You'll immediately, you know, Uh, be able to lead your team to a higher level you'll immediately connect with your partner on a much much deeper level you immediately your hormones will start getting better as soon as you start training your mind your whole body will follow so it's really really important that we don't neglect that really important all right so we covered uh exercise and then what i'll call mental health what and then you've even mentioned particularly if someone needs to lose weight they may need some individual uh, advice which i think is very interesting because even in the example of grant and i Grant can eat a very high-fat diet and feels fantastic. I, I, I can eat a very high-carb diet and still eat, see my abs. But if we swap, and we have tried that at times, <laughs> no chance. feel terrible, actually feel terrible. So individualism and genetics and DNA definitely play a role in this whole equation as well as uh, what past experience is. So where do we look at from the perspective of food here? Is this Because diet is clearly a big portion of it. Uh, for someone as well is this too deep in the weeds where look that's going to be personalized uh, where someone needs to seek a nutritionist or an organization like your james or is there any generic stuff you would really look at here yeah one thing to remember if you go and you start becoming tribal with your diets you're gonna fuck up right so we've all heard of all these diets everyone's like oh vegan's the newest and best thing i can categorically say that being vegan is a terrible decision but anyway if, if you want to do that you do you right but veg- people say oh vegetarian you got to be you got to be that or paleo or keto or carnivore or intermittent fasting all that sort of stuff if you start going tribal you will get it wrong okay straight up so don't go tribal the most important thing that you can do is understand what you need for, your, for you. So this is where the individualism is coming in. But at the same time, train your nervous system. The body's really, really interesting because it knows what it likes. It knows what it's good, what's good for it and what's not. The issue is, is that most people have an issue with communicating with their body. They do not communicate or understand their body. Charlie, you said if you eat, you can eat carbs all day, you feel great. But if you have a high fat diet, you don't feel great. Grant, you're the opposite. You guys have understood that because you've studied it, you've nerded out on it, you've gone deep and you've looked at your body and, and, and assessed how it responds. Um, Run a good size test on each of them, right? <laughs> Being open-minded to it and then categorically said terrible idea or great idea. Totally. And we've got to listen to this feedback that the body gives us because the body will tell us what it needs. You know how women get like cravings for chocolate around their period, right? 
because I wasn't actually aware of that. Aware of that, but we'll go with it. Yeah, it's, it's really common. <laughs> Loads of women get this. They get cravings. You get cravings for different foods based on the micronutrient deficiencies that you may have. And so, when your body, when you actually learn how to talk to your body, you learn how to well, not talk to your body. It's a bit weird if you talk to your body. But you learn how to listen to your body. You'll actually be able to understand what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating. I do really, really well on low fat, sorry, low low carb, high fat diets, high amounts of protein. I'll eat a kilo plus of meat every single day, and I feel incredible, right? And it's really, really great. Uh, other people can't do that. The most important thing is to clear up your nervous system so that you can listen to your body. Because if you're stressed all the time, what happens is your body craves dopamine. Dopamine's a neurotransmitter, which people get from cocaine, from alcohol, from shitty food, from all that sort of stuff. When you get stressed, your cravings for dopamine go up, which means that you can't listen to what your body needs because its most important thing is to nullify that stress by getting the drug, the alcohol, the palatable food in. It's where people start craving chips or lollies or things like this, which have no real micronutrient need, which have they feel no, no deficiency within our body. Right? They feel nothing at all. All they do is just satiate our requirement for dopamine. And so whenever your nervous system's jacked up, that's what you're going to be doing over and over. When you calm your nervous system, you can actually listen to your body and you'll eat appropriately. When you start eating appropriately, guess what happens? You start feeling better. You've got more energy. You've got less anxiety. You've got less stress. Remember, your gut controls your brain. We've all probably heard of that by now. Everyone's harping on about it these days. Your gut controls your brain. If you're putting shit food in, your gut's going to be shit. Your brain's going to be shit. Pretty simple, right? So you have this whole positive cascade that starts going on because you start eating better. You start eating right for you. You start having, you know, uh, increased levels of testosterone. You have for men, you have an optimized testosterone to estrogen ratio. You start looking better because you start feeling so much better. You start moving more and it just keeps going on and on and on because you feel better, because you look better, because you have a better sex drive. Your wife doesn't get the shits with you as much. And so your stress goes down even more. It's wonderful. And it just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. Does that make sense? Just- as, just as it would the other way, where <laughs> it's like totally. shit food and everything else goes negative. That you is were- literally the exact experience I had. When I did the high-fat Grant diet because he was telling me how good it was, terrible yeah, advice, sure. Grant. You gave me individual health, health yeah. advice. I'm going to sue you. I, gave, I gave you a disclaimer when I said it. I did say this is not health advice. I've, the feedback I kept going was like, I feel like I'm slow and sluggish. I can see you're making terrible decisions. I want to have a nap in the afternoon. Like it was, there were so many signs not on the scales or aesthetically that were telling me this was a bad idea. It was my subconscious, my nervous system, whatever it was, was like, terrible idea, get off this. What more do I have to show you that this is not good, a good idea? It was like the experience of it. Very, was- very fascinating. And just one more point before I kick over, the knock-on effects, right? how one thing kicks into the other. It can be as simple as diet or stress in business or not exercising and then systematically one leads into the other before we're completely taken down. Now, Grant, I'll stop hogging the mic. Kick over. I, no, no. I'll, I'll, Actually, I'll I take can, you back there. No, no. I, I concur that when I followed your diet of potato soup in the morning and roast potatoes for lunch and then potato chips that for dinner. That did work. I, that totally worked. So he's not giving context. Awful. All right, we're going to have to tell that story now, so I am going to kick this. You sound Irish. That's it. Defend, defend. All this right, one of the things that's very common in cycling, and I can't explain why it's common in cycling, is glandular fever. And maybe it's because we all make out all the time, but maybe it's not. I was say, maybe. I've created a monster here. All right, all right okay. so I got glandular fever when I was cycling. And I went to the doctors and I went to a few other places to get some help with that. And 
honestly, my energy just wasn't coming back. And I went and saw someone at an event and I, uh, who was a health advice guy. And I said, look, I'm going through this. Do you have any recommendations? Like you seem like you, you have some ideas. He's like, oh, that's easy. Just eat potatoes for 30 days. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, literally like potatoes. Just eat potatoes. And he's like, he had said that the likelihood that my gut was messed up is uh, high, very, very high, and that's destroying my energy. And that there's something magical about potatoes and the starch that's in them, where if you just eat potatoes for 30 days, it'll get you right. You, you'll be fixed. And I was in a pretty desperate place, I won't lie. So I did it. And what continues to amaze me, and this is definitely not health advice, definitely, is it worked. That's awesome. So um, I don't know where he had that conclusion or knowledge or why he recommended that. I can't speak to the specifics, but it definitely made an impact on me. And yes, Grant did try that as well. I, was, <clears throat> I uh, put it out there. It explains why he makes such good darn potatoes. <laughs> it's yeah, like- I do killer roast potatoes for you guys. <laughs> Eating that shit for 30 days. So, but what I'm curious about is outside of Charlie's potato diet, like what are some of the things that most people think are healthy that you just sit there and like shudder? Like, remember how you were explaining how like your daughter like gets shakes and scared and runs away? You know, when you see those health advice and you're just like, why the hell do most people go and follow that kind of thing? What are like, I don't know, the top three, top five that you're just like, holy shit, this is dangerous and people just should not think that's healthy, even though they do. All right. If it comes from the government, it's shit, right? Straight up. <laughs> okay. Any advice from the government ever? We're all business owners. Let's let's talk frankly amongst each other here, right? Nobody who's a really high performer and super driven in life says, you know what I want to be when I get older? I want to work in middle government, right? Let's, let's be super frank there. Hey, brother Steve. Uh, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know quite a few people, <laughs> but, but don't worry, they won't be listening yeah, to this podcast. Yeah. Good you get what I'm talking about though, right? It's like when you look for your highest performers in the world, like the best of the best who have brilliant advice, who are super unbiased, who are really objective focused, right? They generally go out into private practice. When the government goes and puts out stuff, generally it's shit. Over in the US, there's this big hilarious thing, thanks to Joe Rogan for sharing it, but like the government over there told people that it's better to eat lollies than have a steak, right? Now, we can all categorically conclude that that's bad advice, right? We all know that. So, if it comes from the government, just discredit it. Doesn't mean that you have to totally go the opposite way. There's a... um. I have a, a when listening to things in um, like things that come out like like stuff that comes out in the media right now and whatnot. I have something called the inverse media law, which means that if the media says it's true, it's probably not right. And it's the same. It's not totally that far with government health health advice, but it's pretty close, right? The next thing after that, veganism. So many guys go vegan because they want to feel better. And a lot of people get really good short-term results. Like in the first 30, 60, 90 days, they feel really good. But what ends up happening long-term after that, you probably know this, Charlie. Cyclists. Long- no, that, that common in the cycling oh, thing. Crazy, we're making it about man. bikes again. A lot of vegan cyclists. I tried it because that's what the guys who were winning races were doing. Felt fantastic for the first bit and then just... <laughs> Yeah, they just didn't tell you about the EPO and the iron infusions that they're also doing. Uh, you know, not to cast aspersions what, what of cycling, goes on cycling on of course. In the club room, it stays in the club room. <laughs> but it's like it, veganism, like cool. If you don't want to kill animals, like 
fair play to you. Um, I mean, we can go and argue that till till the end of the end of day, but the fact is, it's not healthy at all because you do not get the required micronutrients that you need. Micronutrients being things like iron, being things like zinc, uh, being things like K two. And so, what ends up happening with a lot of vegans is they become anemic. Uh, because of what they're eating, they mess up their insides and their guts and they start developing the vegan belly. Have you guys ever seen like someone with a vegan belly? It's just like a little pot belly that like that just sits there. They're really skinny. Vegans are very skinny, slim people with pot belly. Now that's not I to say be that related you, to one yeah. who has the exact thing you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's it's it happens a lot. It's really, really common. Uh, and then on top of that too, when you start going far enough, if you do not take a shitload of supplements, right? You can do vegan healthily if you take a metric shitload of supplements like supplements like this long. You can do it. But I mean, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of being vegan if you're just going and supplementing everything that you need from your diet? Like just go and only eat pills. That's way better. Um, so it's like you'll end up with issues uh, such as a friend of mine. She was vegan for I can't, it was about 10, 12 years. She depleted herself of vitamin K2 to such a degree that her hair started falling out and her teeth started falling out. She ended up getting like cracks within her teeth. So it's pretty hectic. That actually happens if you get down to that stage. So once again, I'm sure you can eat vegan and you can manage it if you take a shitload of supplements. Uh, but if you don't, you're probably not going to do terribly well. There's a lot of people that go vegan and then don't stay vegan, right? Because they start feeling so poorly. Um, next, I'm going to get this. This is going to be great for clickbait, by the way. You just need to snap that one up, put it on the internet, and I'll get like a thousand people with a pitchfork out the front of my house. Um, but see, th- that we'll leave that one there. Um, coffee is the next one. Get rid of coffee, right? People say, oh, we get emotional about our coffee and we love our coffee and, and we feel good about it. It's not serving you whatsoever. It's a nervous system stimulant. It irritates our nervous system. It shifts us into fight or flight and it will inevitably lead to poorer performance in the long run. Uh, the next one after that, people saying don't eat red meat. That's the dumbest thing. All right. So, Grant, if I can tell you I have this one magical food which will be able to hit literally every single nutrient requirement that you have. It is the most nutrient-dense food ever, right? If I have this one food and then I tell you it's bad, right, you shouldn't eat it. Is that a smart decision or a dumb decision? Sounds silly to me. Right? So, why the fuck would we not eat red meat? Why is anybody ever telling anybody to not eat red meat? Red meat has the highest amount of micronutrients you can possibly get out of anything. Like, it has the most. has everything that we need. Right, you can get everything. There are guys who only eat. There are carnivores, like literally people who eat just meat. They'll only eat stuff from the beef, from from from, from cows. They only eat beef. So they'll eat meat. They'll eat eat the organs. They'll eat all that sort of stuff. Like that's all they do, and that's where they get all of their micronutrients from. And they're very very healthy. And they do really really well. I mean, we've all heard of the liver king, I assume by now. Now that he's been plastered all over. I don't know. You might have to put him into the supplements category. Yes. (laughs) Very well supplemented diet. Very well supplemented. Roided supplements, Charlie? Is that what you're leaning towards? Oh, I hear implants. I hear supplements. I hear a few other things that sound quite interesting, but definitely assisted. It's not just liver. Yes, totally. It's not just eating liver and like uh, whatever. We We won't go too far into it, but you guys have all heard of Liver King. Liver King? Not someone who I would advocate for, but that doesn't mean his methods were bad. So, unfortunately, he did a real disservice to nutrition and the way people eat. Um, 
but going back to it, it's like when you eat, like these guys, they can just eat meat and they're extraordinarily healthy. They do extremely, extremely well. So any pe- anyone who's telling you that you shouldn't eat red meat, discard that information straight away because it probably comes from debunked studies. And just so that you guys have some context on that too, um, the way that they, the whole thing about red meat being bad, it came out because of this. There were some people who were vegetarian and vegan, funnily enough, doing studies on red meat. So first of all, there's an immediate conflict of interest, right? The next thing that happened after that is that they went and they, they, they looked at people who were vegan and vegetarian versus people who ate meat and they compared the two, right? And they're like, okay, who's going to be healthier? And they found that the people who are vegan and vegetarian had lower rates of like cancer, heart disease, all this sort of stuff. But if you look into the study and look at how they did it, people who eat McDonald's every day, they eat red meat, right? People who are vegan and vegetarian are generally quite health conscious, People who eat McDonald's every day are more likely to smoke, drink, take drugs, do risk-taking behaviors. They didn't control for any of that. So they're like, okay, Gary here chain smokes 10 fucking, you know, however many packets a day and drinks a case a day of beer. And then old Cheryl, who goes and only eats organic and the best of the best, we're going to compare these two. Gary eats buddy red meat and, and maccas and smokes and drinks and then cheryl only eats the best doesn't smoke doesn't drink and whatnot who's healthier cheryl oh well therefore you should eat vegan and vegetarian because cheryl did it it's the most stupid thing ever and that's how all this bullshit came about so anybody saying that you shouldn't eat red meat doesn't know what they're talking about like categorically and also probably has some inherent bias or tribalist tendencies too which are going to lead you away from actually getting to the truth they're definitely the biggest ones actually one final one gluten and bread just don't eat it do not eat gluten do not eat bread now that's not saying that every single person who cuts out gluten is going to have amazing results but i've never seen somebody cut out gluten eliminate gluten and not uh I've never seen someone cut it out and, and feel worse for getting rid of it. Does that make sense? So probably I'd say eight to nine now to 10 people I see who get rid of gluten feel dramatically better. Now also that's allowing for some people may not know how their body actually feels. And so they, 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 they can't see any difference because they just don't know. But pretty much I've never seen someone go backwards from cutting out gluten, but I've seen a lot of people move tremendously forwards from getting rid of it. I'm talking less brain fog, less skin conditions, acne, eczema, psoriasis, all those things starting to go away just from getting rid of gluten. The reason for this is multifactorial. So number one, gluten comes from wheat. Wheat is sprayed with glyphosate or Roundup, as we'll know it here in Australia. Fucking horrible, carcinogenic, awful thing, massively irritates the digestive lining. Every time you eat wheat, you're putting that stuff in, no matter how hard you wash it, right? Next thing after that, uh, gluten itself is a particular protein which pries apart your digestive tract. So your digestive tract is held together like this. There are these things called tight junctions and they've got really like small gaps or no gaps whatsoever in between them. And this keeps all the food on the inside and then the blood on the outside, right? Which is kind of how you want things to be. What gluten does is it makes them open and makes it bigger and then allows bigger molecules through the gaps which shouldn't be allowed to go through the gaps. Does that make sense? Completely. I'm with you, James. And so what happens there is we get systemic inflammation. Whenever we have inflammation, the nervous system gets jacked up, nervous system gets gets jacked up, cortisol gets jacked up, testosterone and sex hormones go down, anxiety goes up, stress goes up, and so on and so forth. 
It's a very I'm, reasonable hit list, most notably the government there. I'm, I'm glad I asked the question, Charlie. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get suicided one day, I think. Yeah. Swatted. Yeah. It's just so interesting to uh, hear what is the conventional wisdom of the world and then for someone who actually boots on the ground, the dramatic differences. And it reminds me so much of the wealth space, right, is if you were to watch TV and see what, for example, the property market is doing right now, you could think it's all going terribly. But when you speak to people like Goose and other property professionals we have on the show, is like the boots on ground experience is very different. And that is massively overlaid to health as well which I think is quite fascinating. Now, James, I'm very, very appreciative of your time here and, and everything you've shared. For anyone out there that's listening to this show and has maybe had a moment where like, ooh, need to start taking my health a little bit more seriously here, I can see there's some areas that need improvement. What's the best way they can come and get in contact with you? Just find me on social media, right? So just drop me a message on Facebook. I'm quite easy to find. Um, so just shoot me a message on Facebook. Um, I'm in a very fortunate position where I don't have to pitch you. So if you message me, don't worry. It's not going to be like you're going to get sent a million different things. If you want help, just shoot me a message and I'll just send you a bunch of information. Um, if you do want to- Hold it up there. I'll pitch you. If you get to the point where you're contacting James <laughs> because your health is not in the place that it should be, you should buy something. <laughs> like. Well, you can buy something. I'll let, I'll let you guys buy something just because Charlie said so. But if you want help, you can just reach out. Uh, if you do want to work with myself and my team, we're more than happy to chat with that. If you just need help, I'm more than happy to give you that help too, whatever yeah, you James, need. if you can solve someone's health problem and they have reached out to you for a health problem, you should sell something. Yeah. Like that's how this works. And for any business owner out there, that's how your business works as well. So just keep in mind, guys, like – hugely valuable. And I know, James, in gesture, what you're suggesting here is that, hey, we're not going to slam you with sales calls or hard pressure you into anything or anything like that. And we do appreciate that. That's one of the reasons you're here is you're a stand-up guy. But at the same time, if your health is in a mess, that is not something to mess around with. It might be the best investment you make is fixing your health. Grant and I can speak to that experience as well. When our health is better, life is better, business is better, wealth is better, all of it. You can put that on a bumper sticker, Charlie. When your health is better, life is better. <laughs> Do you know We're looking the stig- for a new company good. motto? Does it, does it annoy great. you a little bit when the stigmas are true or I love it at the same time? It's like health is wealth. <laughs> it's like your, what, your network <laughs> is your net worth. So, some like. asshole with perfect you know, uh, health says that and looks at you and says, like, fuck you. But it's and like, a good jawline and shit. You're like, come on, man. You like, know the other, it's like, oh, well, your network is your net worth. Yeah, totally. Like yeah, this Mr. Popular. Your oh, money won't buy happiness. All right, before we... Tardis this. I'm going to wrap this up. All right. That, that one, I, I've tested it. It's pretty damn good. All right. Anyway, let's wrap this one up. Awesome. Just want to say thank you very much for joining us, James Kant. And for anyone who's listening to this, if they go, wow, this was insightful and had full of information, don't forget, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email, and we'll let you know every single time we drop one of these episodes. And remember, health is wealth, or as Charlie would say, Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next episode.